What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Smart Business Solutions, the official podcast of GBS, America's productivity partner. Each episode, we are going to explore some of the biggest threats and challenges in today's business world and the vast amount of solutions GBS offers to meet them. Good morning. This is Rich Lalla with GBS. And for today's show, we have two very special guests with us in the studio. First is Dan Lasky, registered nurse for GBS. Dan has been with GBS for two years now and has been a practicing registered nurse for seven years. Dan holds a Bachelor of Science degree in nursing, and his duties include OSHA safety training, CPR and first aid training, safety committee participation, and he creates and runs the GBS Employee Wellness Program. Also with us today is Charlotte Shar. She is a wellness strategist and trusted GBS business partner in the world of corporate wellness. Charlotte has more than six years of experience in the industry and holds a bachelor of, uh, holds bachelor of science degrees in both management and in exercise science, and also has a master's degree in public health. She is a behavior change specialist and certified corporate wellness specialist. So on the show today, we're going to be discussing wellness programming and why businesses should offer it to their employees, the positive aspects of wellness programming, the cost to a business for this type of programming and the potential return on investment that they can see, and current trends in in wellness in the industry, and what seems to be working well with these types of programs. So before we uh, begin the questions, I would just like to uh, welcome both Charlotte and Dan to the show today. Thank you for being with us. We're excited to kind of jump into this, this subject matter. So... All right. So first of all, Charlotte, if you would tell us a little bit more about your background and the experience you've had in wellness programming. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Rich. So happy to be here today. So as you said, I've been in the industry for about six years with most of those years being corporate wellness. And what that really means is working with all different types of industries on wellness programming specifically. And Dan, being here at GBS, he actually heads up the wellness program here. So I work very closely with him on designing and implementing the wellness program and consulting with him on all types of different wellness program aspects. So GBS is one client, but we have many different industry types. So a lot of different experience working with a lot of different industry. All right. So if you would, define for us what exactly is wellness programming and why would you say a company should offer it to its employees? Definitely. So wellness programming is different for every single client and a lot of people first start to think wellness programming is all about reducing costs, reducing claims costs, impacting the bottom line, but it is so much more than that. And research is coming out more and more. When I was getting my master's in public health, I had a concentration in social behavior sciences, so I got to use a lot of workplace wellness for a lot of different projects. And there is some scientific literature there about workplace wellness, but it's becoming more trending, more popular. Mm -hmm. But it's really more than impacting that bottom line, and it's much more about increasing the well-being and the culture of the company. Some statistics say that 83% of people feel that workplace is a significant amount of stress. So if you think only eighty-three percent, only eighty-three yeah. <laughs> percent, and you know, ten percent of strokes are workplace related. 
So oh, um, you have to imagine that if an employee is feeling this amount of stress at work and they spend most of their time at work, you know, 10, 8 mm -hmm. to 12 hours a day, really an employer is charged with creating an environment for that employee to thrive and to be healthier. The Healthy People 2020 is the national health goals of the decade. So 2030, Healthy People 2030 will be coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing that is in there over and over is that the wellness begins, you know, in the neighborhoods, communities, and the workplace. Mm -hmm. So employers are really charged with that, and GBS is a wonderful example of kind of taking that and really implementing it throughout the organization to help employees just feel and thrive. Because as we know, if your employee, everybody wants their employee to be more productive. Right. Right. And if employee, and the research shows if an employee feels cared for and valued, they're going to work better for you. So you're, so in the long run, you're increasing your productivity costs and hopefully reducing those claims costs, which we'll talk about in a little bit and what that kind of looks like on an ROI standpoint. So why, to, I guess to kind of go along with what you just said, why would you say wellness is important in today's business world? Because one of the, one of the things we wanted, we're, we're doing with our podcast is trying to make it applicable to businesses and and smart again smart business solutions why it why it's important or why it makes sense for businesses to offer this type of programming so absolutely why, yeah what would you say to that so we know with the implementation of the affordable care act mm -hmm. most employers you know employers of certain size have to provide health care for their employee population and with the increased cost of health care about 60% of people get their health care through their employer. Mm -hmm. So it really does matter. The health of the employee does matter. And it is the employee's responsibility too to be mindful of their health. But a lot of times it's not really thought of in that way. And it, it's all about an education piece around that. But if your employee population is suffering from you know, catastrophic claims over and over again because maybe they're not adhering to their maintenance medications. Maybe they are consistently going to the ER for back pain because they don't have time in their schedule to go during the day. That is impacting the employer in a lot of different ways. We're losing productivity. We're costing the employer a lot of money in claims. And so with the ACA, they really had a focus on workplace wellness when kind of the ACA part of it was preventative screening. So if an employee has their health care through their employer and there's an ACA plan or they're under an ACA plan, they are offered a, a preventative screening at no cost to them once a year. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people don't know that. They don't know they can go to their doctor, get their biometric screening, which has blood work, you know, does the full panel blood work, checks your glucose, your triglycerides, your um, A1C. So, you know, if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, we can get that out of that. And really, those are preventative so that we can catch things early on. So an employer through the wellness programming can get employees to go to these preventative screenings, you know, through campaigning or education, getting them to understand their healthcare plan. I don't know, since I'm in the health insurance industry, you don't know how many friends of mine come up and say, here, here's my insurance. Can you uh, tell me what this is all about? And I'm like, right. your employer should really be doing that for you. <laughs> right. They're offering this to you. So it's really a strategic way to get employees to use, be a good health consumers of their plan. And so um, one thing that usually comes up is, hey, I went to my preventative screening, like I, like you said I should, and well, now I'm getting a bill, why? And 
what those preventative screenings are designed for is to catch things. So let's say I went in for my preventative screening, my employer's rewarding me for that through campaigning, and they say, oh, well, you're pre-diabetic. So that turns into a diagnosis, mm -hmm. and so that's coded differently, and so that employee might get a bill or copay because now you went from a preventative screening to a diagnostic screening. So, mm -hmm. but, you know, and that comes up a lot, like, hey, you, you know, we did this and I went and now I have a bill and I'm upset. And it's like, well, aren't you glad you found that? Right. Because let's say I, I was diabetic and didn't know it. And now I have issues and I have a catastrophic claim later on. So those are strategic ways an employer can catch, help an employee catch things early on. And we know uh, through research that if you go to your doctor year over year for your preventative screening, you're building a relationship, you're building a history, because right. maybe my baseline is different than Dan's or yours. And next year I come back and things are a little different and they're going to say, what's going on? So it's building that relationship and helping an employee to feel like their wellness really matters. So another great important reason, and we'll get in this into when we go through each point, is just creating a culture of well-being. You know, I've walked in into an, a, a company who didn't have a structured wellness program, but I literally looked at them and said, you have the culture of well-being I've ever had, I've ever mm -hmm. seen in my whole entire career. Um, your employees feel valued and cared for, and they're working hard for you, and you're doing, you know, you have low turnover, they're staying. We, if we put a wellness program in here, you're going to get really good results. So it really, you know, those are kind of rare to walk into a company that already has that going on. But a wellness program can slowly help build that out for people starting kind of from the ground up. And then just to touch on her point. Um, about the wellness and then catching things early. And then from that point, as far as me being the nurse at GBS, then basically they can come to me and they can ask questions and get along with their doctor, get educated and whatnot, and then basically be able to still be productive in their job mm -hmm. and not to take days off. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because right. we find, especially when you uh, tap into the social employees who face social determinants of health, you know, they're at a very big disadvantage head on. But if you have someone like Dan on staff who can they can go to, hey, I just you know, I'm not feeling very good. Can you check my blood pressure? Oh, well, you really need to go to the doctor right now. Mm -hmm. Whereas they might put that off and off because if they take time off work, now they are losing hours and they're not getting paid. Right. So right. it's really kind of huge when an employer invests in something like that to give that employee an advantage. And I, I have to say, to add to that, that Dan does a tremendous job here with oh, our employees. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I know that there's people that come to him weekly for blood blood pressure checks mm -hmm. and I mean he just he has really done a tremendous job here uh, with our wellness program and really got you know our employees engaged even myself engaged which is is a pretty big achievement there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no so yeah I appreciate that I appreciate that so then what are what would you say are some other positive aspects of wellness programming I guess either from the employee or employer standpoint absolutely and I've kind of wanted to define these out because we kind of talked about a little bit of this already but to mm -hmm. for the listener just to have some bullet points first and foremost strengthening the workplace culture culture in a positive way so what we know from the research is that hey if I just put a wellness program in and I don't have 
the strengthening of a culture behind it, it's not going to go anywhere. Employees aren't going to participate. They're going to be like, what is this? Uh, you're invading my privacy. Mm-hmm. We get that a lot. And that's something Dan's really had to build up trust with everybody through the programming. Mm-hmm. And so that's important too. But a wellness program can help strengthen that workplace culture, but it has to come from the top down, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, positively influence health behavior. Health behavior. So, health behaviors. Most of chronic chronic modifiable diseases are modifiable through a healthy lifestyle, and those healthy lifestyle factors are physical activity, nutrition. And tobacco cessation, not being tobacco free. Mm-hmm. I like to add sleep into that because I think sleep's so important. Mm. But if you do those things, you can come off of your maintenance medication sometimes. You know, um, maybe I am on a, a high blood pressure medication and I change my healthy behaviors. I might be able to come off that blood pressure medication when the time is right, uh, consulting with my physician on right, that. Right, right. That is huge such a big deal that if you can reduce those chronic modifi- modifiable chronic diseases, you can literally change someone's life and their longevity and their quality of life because quality of life really matters. We might be living longer, but that doesn't mean our quality of life is better. Right. Um, creating an environment that employee can thrive, at, thrive in. So what we also know is that if I can't always love what I do, right? I Maybe I'm a line worker at a production company that's my skill and I can't really go to an office setting because I don't have the background or the education behind that and this is just what I am charged with doing. I might not like what I do but I can love where I work and wellness program once again can help that culture and help an employee thrive in that culture and that comes down to management and management being really involved and we'll talk about that. The next point is with employee benefits most of the time, being an employer's second largest line item, so think about that after payroll, now your health care is now the second largest line item, it can help them reduce costs in the long run. And we'll talk about ROI and what the research says on ROI and kind of how our approach on ROI is, but it can truly level out your your healthcare insurance or decrease it, which we've seen it decrease. And that obviously, you know, comes down to is an employer fully insured or self-funded? If you're fully insured, we're not gonna see a huge decrease. Mm-hmm. But if you are self-funded, we can see a huge decrease in your claims cost. So that is big for an employer. And then the fifth point, and what's really trending right now, is attracting and retaining top talent. Millennials today, Sorry, they're just not as loyal. I'm a millennial, (laughs) I can speak for my generation. They're not as loyal as, um, you know, generations before us. Uh, They will leave for uh, 50 cents more or because that employer has a better culture, seriously. Mm -hmm. So we want to attract and retain those. And I wanna give a little story about a client who, um, they're an engineer firm, and they had trouble, they have longevity, they have low turnover, they have a wonderful wellness program, years and years of wellness program, has won several workplace wellness awards, so mm. been awarded for their wellness programs, but they like couldn't get anybody to apply, and they're having a shift in their culture where people are retiring, so they like have to fill these jobs. Mm-hmm. And they simply took their workplace wellness award and put it on their website, Applications started flooding in. Wow. The HR person said, I couldn't believe it. Um, so attracting, they know they can retain them once they get there because they mm-hmm. have the culture to support that. But getting them to just apply, and it was as simple as that. So attracting and retaining top talent is crucial. That's great. 
that's a great point. Uh, honestly, something I would have not thought of from a an employee, you know, from a, a, attracting employees, attracting new employees. That's fantastic. So if you could put a cost figure on a wellness program for a company, so from the perspective of the business, what would it cost them to implement a wellness program and what type of return on investment might they see from that? Yeah, so every client is different. Every client has a different budget. We have clients who invest an extremely uh, large amount of money into their wellness program where they have premium differentials and awards on top of that and might send like they might have premium differentials meaning if you participate in the wellness program you can get a cut on your your insurance premium and then they send them off on a cruise you mm. know one winner every D- year dan did you hear that <laughs> <laughs> we got to get that approved a cruise yeah okay um, right. but, work on that but others don't have the funds you know they might say we don't have the budget for this and we just really don't know where to begin or and we don't have a lot of money just because you don't have a lot of money to put into a wellness program doesn't mean you can't start one because a lot of times and we'll talk about wellness committees people want this people want to be involved in this they want to be a part of this and it doesn't necessarily cost you anything so it's really it depends on the employer for sure and the budget that's offered to them but we know for sure that programs that focus on employee culture, chronic disease, and tobacco cessation typically see a return on their investment. ROI is a three to five year measurement. And the research is so hard. I've done a lot of searches when I was going through my master's degree on scientific literature, peer-reviewed literature, of studies that have been done on workplace wellness. and. So a lot of the studies just weren't long enough. They might be six months to 18 months. That's not long enough to like really see a return. Now, there have been retroactive studies that look back. So they go through all the data, the claims data, and the measurement was still kind of hard to kind of find, but Mm -hmm. they did, some research shows three to one. For every every dollar you put in, you get $3 back. Mm. Now, that a lot of things have to change for that to work, right? Like, <laughs> right. you have to do a That's lot. A... It, it can't just be, here's my wellness program, let's see this. Right. But we use, and this is something I work closely with Dan on and the team and a lot of other clients, is if you're a self-funded company, you're getting claims data. This is a, this is big. Mm-hmm. You can see what you're facing out there. You know, are we having catastrophic claims for heart attacks or strokes or whatever it might be? And do we have people adhering to their prescription medications that they need Mm -hmm. to be on to Mm -hmm. prevent these catastrophic claims? If you can say, um, for example, we had a client who had a lot of back pain at the ER. They were going after hours because they just didn't want to miss work. Once again, they didn't want to lose their money by not going to work. And so they were going to the ER for back pain. And so we partnered with a third-party vendor who focuses on ergonomics. And they came in and taught people ergonomical training and what we saw the next year was a $50,000 reduction in ER lower back pain visits. That wow. vendor comes regularly to, to meet with people. Mm-hmm. And so programs like that, you can see your return a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And when you have that claims data, and that's why I always encourage all groups who can get it is to use it. Um, mm-hmm. You can start to say, oh, wow, like we are making an impact. Another client had large cases of chronic disease, which is huge for everyone. I can tell you right now, I can walk to any one employer and I can tell you that they're going to be facing high blood pressure, diabetes, you know, it's pretty much across the board. But this particular client, we saw in the data that they weren't adhering to their prescription medications. And so 
we implemented a campaign that was strategic to get people just to like take their medications, right? Because of course we want them to change their health behaviors, but first we don't want you to have a stroke or heart attack. Right. And although our prescription, their prescription drug costs went up, we saw a reduction in their catastrophic claims for those chronic diseases which they face that people weren't taking their medications on. So data is powerful. You can look at data and really start to make impact on what you want to target down and how you want employees and how you want to address those employees. And that's another thing that every client is different. I, I can't go to a production company and put the same program in for an architect firm. It's not going to work. Sure. It's going to be very different and very strategic. And that's what basically helped me this year was the claims data as well because I was able to look at our top five. And this year for 2020, we're rolling out different things, and one of them is back pain. Yeah. And to go on her point, she had talked about having someone come in and talk about that. Something you can do for free a lot of times is uh, you can talk to different local chiropractors. Mm. And a lot of times they need to do education throughout the year anyways. So they'll come in and they'll be willing to do 30, 40 minute just lecture. And then, you know, you get some food in there and people like food mm-hmm. and food attracts a crowd, you know. Yeah. It sure does. Popcorn, you know, yeah. and people will come right in. Yep, yep. And then, yes. and then, and then how you attract employees is different too. Mm-hmm. For every group, mm-hmm. it's very different of like, well, I, I'm good. I don't want no, I don't want any snacks. You know, I'm, I'm good, right. but maybe we're going to give away a gift card. If for everyone who attends, we're going to do a drawing at the end. I'm there. I'm there. I remember right. sitting at one client, they, they had a lunch and learn and <clears throat> they were giving away an immersion blender. And this was just a story of sometimes it just works out great and so that it attracted a lot of people and one lady in particular was like i've wanted one of these for so long and that's the reason i came and she won it you oh know so gosh. i was like yay like you won <laughs> and and everyone got excited for her uh, sure. the whole crowd and that's and it's an uplifting morale booster and yeah. it helps yeah. people feel like they're part of something bigger sure that's great so something came to mind what i wanted to ask you what, what percentage of employers would you say currently offer wellness programs. Do you have any data on so that? So depending on the size, mm-hmm. um, but probably around 60% of our clients per, uh, offer some sort of wellness program. So, okay, that's good. Yep. That's good. And it can be small as small as, hey, we're just, if you, because I, I think tobacco cessation falls in that. If you mm-hmm. are tobacco free, you get a premium discount right. to anywhere of you. We have a full outcomes-based wellness program. You have to meet certain biomarkers, and then you get your discount. Mm-hmm. Um, so it ranges from very small to very big. And I think I think there's a shift coming in workplace wellness. And I talked with Cindy Mills. She's, Cindy Mills Allen is like one of my, uh, she's my mentor and one of my favorite people that I work with, is my favorite person I work with. But <laughs> she's also on the wellness team. But we were talking about the shift we're seeing in workplace wellness and how we're kind of getting away from more of that outcomes base where you meet these certain biomarkers and then you get your premium discount and you go about life and more of how do we change this culture and train managers. So mental health is huge right now. And mm-hmm. let's say Dan's a manager and he sees his employee, which he should know, you should know your employees and he, his employees acting a little different. And he says, hey, you know what? Like, we have an EAP, and I don't know what's going on with you right now, but this is offered to you as a free anonymous resource, and we'd really like you to utilize this um, mm-hmm. if you need to. No one will know. And if that employee trusts Dan, then they're going to take him up on that. Right. If they don't trust Dan and they're like, oh, they're going to find out about my problems and I'm going to get fired, they're not going to do it. Right. Um, so it's all about 
that managerial support, training those managers, and getting them on board. So it can, so it can be as little as that. Even we don't even offer anything as a reward to for wellness programming, but our employee, our managers are trained to identify wellness issues. That's great. Thank you. So I know you touched on this a little bit, but how long would you typically say it takes for a company to see measurable results when they put a program in place? Yeah, so three to five years, but as we kind of talked about with that claims data, you can get that kind of faster. You Mm -hmm. can see kind of what's going on faster. And I kind of want to Everyone has a predicted spend. So me, based off of my gender, race, age, and claims history, I have a predicted spend. Everyone does. And if I, once again, am not adhering to my medications, well, likely I'm going to cost myself and the company a lot of money in the long run because the average stroke is 20000 or more dollars, depending on mm. the severity. Mm. So if we can get me to live a healthier lifestyle or adhere to my medications, we can definitely reduce my spend. So, is when you re- say, I'm sorry, when you say average spend, you mean the amount of money that it's going to cost my company for my health care? Mm-hmm. Okay. Me okay. and my company. Okay, Because you're also typically, very rarely does an employer pay 100% of everything. I've seen right. it. Right. Uh, it's typically very small, pe- small firms, but you're also paying part of that. And if right. you have a high deductible health plan, you're paying a lot of that, especially right. if it's a... Uh, you know, catastrophic claim, and you have a ten thousand dollar cope or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's a great way to look right. at things. With yeah, kind of like, hey, there's a fixed amount of dollars that Dan's going to spend on his healthcare Likely. this year. Yes. Yeah, and, and and what can we do to impact that one way or yes. the other? And and, yeah. and usually, and I would like to just for any employee out there is like, oh my gosh, my employer is looking at me. No, not typically. We don't narrow it down to a certain individual. Mm-hmm. But we can say if. For instance, someone participates in the wellness program and they come off all their medications, they're obviously going to save the company money. Yeah, sure. But we typically look at wellness programming from a population standpoint. So we don't typically target down to the individual. And uh, Dan definitely doesn't do that. No one really does that. It's more population overall. I don't want people to think, oh, my gosh, they're looking at everything about me but if we look at changing behavior from the individual level and I have a whole slew of chronic disease and I'm not I'm not changing my health behavior and I'm taking I'm not taking my medication I am likely to have a catastrophic claim right eventually and those can be very costly to a self-funded plan and then in the long run to a fully Mm. insured plan so just you know looking at ROI from that standpoint is predictively you know, I can save the company a lot of money. Over time, you know, how much am I really saving? So I was at an employer recently, and we're talking about blood pressure checks. And I actually use Dan as an example. I love to use examples. So mm-hmm. they had done blood pressure checks in the past. And I was like, well, I have this client. He checks them regularly. And, you know, people want to go to him. And that's really great because yep. who thinks about checking their blood pressure on a regular basis? So they're, they want to start implementing that back in their program. And a wellness committee member said, hey, I just want to tell you, when we did this in the past, it saved my life. He's like, I came in here and basically I was ready to stroke out. Um, And that nurse told me, you know, I've got to do something about this. And so think about the cost that saved him, his life, and possibly uh, his quality of life, right? Because if he had a stroke or heart attack, what if he was permanently disabled from that? And then 
you know, on. But because he went and he started blood pressure medication, and he was someone you wouldn't think would be on blood pressure medication. He was a fit guy who was very active. He did the maintenance for the company, so he's, his job was very active. So it was kind of surprising. And that's kind of how he took it, too, is like, I'm fine. You know, men are a little harder to deal with than women. But <laughs> he... <laughs> So over, so like, did that show up that, hey, you know, we saved your plan $100,000 maybe, you know? Well, predictively, yes. Right. But on paper, no, it, because he got it taken care of, right? Right. So you can really save in the long run a predictive cost. And I think that employers need to think about that. Business savvy employers when thinking about wellness program is maybe not, oh, my premiums are going down, but in my claims, but am I seeing less of these catastrophic claims? Yeah, and that's kind of something that I've seen too. I've got a couple different emails from employees here at GBS saying, hey, you know, I was checking my blood pressure or I wasn't checking it and then you did these different programs and I did check it and it was really high at one point and I went to my doctor's and I got on medication and now my blood pressure is fine compared to down the road if it kept going, you know, that's where we were talking about the, the big claims and the, and the, and the, the catastrophic claims and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So that concludes the first part of our corporate wellness episode featuring Charlotte Shar and Dan Lasky. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion and that you will join us again next time as we explore some of the financial aspects of wellness programs, current trends in the industry, and the steps that a company can take to begin a program for their very own employees. So until then... Thanks again for listening, and stay well. This show has been a production of GBS. For more information on the topics discussed today or the solutions offered, contact us at marketing at gbscorp.com. That's marketing at gbscorp.com. Or you can call at 800-552-2427. And lastly, check us out on the web at www gbscorp.com that's www.gbscorp.com also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes